Well, welcome to the State of Mind podcast from State of Mind Sport. Uh, this is a series exploring transition, the emotional uh, and the mental side of, of major change uh, at a time where uncertainty, upheaval and strain has perhaps been felt like never before. And our guest, as you can see this week, is a rugby international who has navigated change head on to emerge uh, smiling just about in the south of France from where he talks to us now. Anthony Mullally, how are you? I'm great, mate. Thank you very much. How are you? Uh, I'm well, and it's, it's, it's great to see you. We obviously chat a fair bit, and I'm intrigued about your life uh, in the south of France and how it is now. So let's let's start there. Um, how are you right now? What's what's this period been like for you? It's been great, mate. It's been it's it's been good. It's 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 ref it's refreshing. Well, I, I, I we had the big break with. Um, due to COVID and, and the Toronto issue. But so that that was like that was a big change. And like I, I personally enjoyed um having the time off. But obviously now I'm back in the rugby environment and obviously the French League isn't um isn't full full professional like like Super League. So with with that you you have a bit more freedom, a bit more bit more free time and yeah, I mean I mean I'm enjoy I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. It's, Enjoying the, the new way of life, the new the new culture. Even even though we are in lockdown here, it's still still enough enough going on that um, that keeps me motivated for sure. And it's Carcassonne where you are, which looks absolutely beautiful. Yeah, mate. Yeah, it's it's a it's a beautiful spot. What I love about the south of France, you've like all like this, all the small villages, all the small towns. They've all they, they all keep the same structures. Like they don't they don't like. Break everything down, and all these housing estates come up. You, you still keep like the authenticity of the of the villages, which are really, which are really enjoy, and the surroundings are beautiful as well. All the mountains and things like that. So it's it's ideal for me. So the thrust of this series is I want to get what I want to get into with you um, today is how we accept, how we confront, how we how we deal with a change, make a leap like you have experienced that the mental side of this, that decision-making process, both positive yeah. and, and negative and, and the challenges that, that come with transition. So why do you think I was keen to talk to you about all this? What, why, why do you think that I thought you might be a good podcast guest for this theme? Because in rugby terms, I'm probably probably be described as a bit of an oddball. Um, uh, yeah, this obviously vegan for a start. Um, Lived, lived in a van, got some quite esoteric ways away away from uh, away away from rugby. So, yeah, that's probably a few things that come to mind. Well, I've got to know you a bit over the last few years, and it, it's um, it's your philosophy towards life's challenges that I'm interested in in most. What drives you? What makes you you? Hmm. Uh, how you appear to have made some quite big changes and and, and taken them in your stride? Would that be a, a fair assessment of of where you are? Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. It's. It's what it's what I'm trying. It's what I'm trying. It's what I try to do. It's what I try to embrace. It's more like embrace embracing the change um, and lo loosening loosening the the kind of structures we have on our outlook on life and uh, stop it. Stopping the resistance because with with the resistance comes like the suffering. So that's what that's my work. That I, well, not my work. The like philosophies I've I've read and I have to try apply into my own life. If that makes sense. Let's start at the beginning, though, and, and, and see how we evolve into the Anthony Mullally that we have in front of us today. What were you like pre-rugby? What was your what were you like as in your youth, and what was your drive then? How did you arrive into the world of professional sport? So you mean uh, pre-professional rugby? So like, pre-professional, yeah. Pre yeah, um, 
to be honest, I, start, I started quite, I started not late, late, but I was, I was 12 when I started playing. Um, I was doing like a lot of like uh, martial arts before, before that. I just, I just wasn't really into rugby when, like, when I was doing everyone's like nine, 10 and playing. I just wasn't into it. I remember going to, to a training session, a few training sessions. And I just said to mum, I said, I'm, I just don't want to do it anymore. I don't enjoy it. <laughs> then uh, into my martial arts. And then obviously it started high school. Obviously I, I wasn't, I wasn't one of the man childs. I wasn't one of the guys who had armpit hair at nine and a, and a beard. I, I wasn't one of those, but I was like, I was, I was average height for me age. Probably just above average. So, and I, all, all my mates were like, uh, come and, come and come and train on the park like I live right next to the park in witness where my mates team trained so I just like agreed to it all my mates all my mates were there and then I just started I started training probably about 12 and then within it within a year I was on a Wigan scholarship I was actually on Wigan scholarship first and and yeah and from from around this is around 14 15 I, I never really I didn't do great in school. I wasn't. I really wasn't interested. You couldn't. There was nothing that made that uh, stuck my like, attracted me to a, some sort of stimulus. Apart from, I actually like really liked art. I was good. Art's one of the only GCSEs that I passed. Um, uh, art and philosophy. No, just joking. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, and it just kind of happened. It just and then when when I just signed for witness under under 18s when I was 15, and then I was kind of like, all right, well, this is. This is something that I want to do. Like my the reason for me not doing good in school wasn't because I was like I'm going to play rugby. I don't really care. That 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 wasn't the case. Like I've got a son now, and he's uh, he's 11, and he wants to play rugby. He's like I'm going to play rugby when I'm older. Uh, but that's mainly because of me, because he looks up to me. I wasn't I wasn't like that when I was younger. If you asked me, I wouldn't have known. So yeah, it's only as it started to unfold, I started playing well in the academy and getting sniffs at first team, and I was like, well, actually, this is yeah, probably something that. That I can do for a living, <laughs> and that's kind of, that's kind of happened. But I would say I was pretty, I was a pretty shy, a shy kid uh, growing up. But obviously, the more like you start going out with your mates, start drinking cans in the park when you when you're 15, and started to like become more social and um, probably probably personality started to come out a bit more. Then, yeah, I, I find it fascinating that you can uh, you can become uh, a professional sportsman, and I don't mean this in, in, in in a, in a detrimental way to you without that drive. And I, I, I say that because as someone who was desperate to be a professional footballer and, and failed, and I, it felt like my world collapsed when I was a teenager and I realised it wasn't going to happen for me, yet you kind of never were never really that bothered. Or do you think but, that sometimes that desire can be too much and it can get in the way? Potentially, but sorry, let me let, let me uh, retract my statement a little bit. So to the point where when I was like 15, 16, I wasn't that, but I wasn't that, bothered but as soon as um as soon as it, i kind of got the sniff and like and it kind of aligned with my purpose right. then 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 i did everything i possibly could to to make to make it and i was like the most dedicated like kid well as, as all kids are dedicated to make that next next step i was i did, I did everything that i could that i could have done um so yeah um but i, but I, I agree i think you can definitely be too be too not necessarily too determined but the determination can turn into kind of like an anxiety mm. and i think uh and I, and I definitely experienced that early in my career like thinking back to like huddersfield when i'd get when i'd get me chance to play when i was 21 and i'd just be so nervous to like and i just blow out i'd fly out the line try and make a big hit i like do something and then i'd be absolutely gassed and 
it's just because I was I was too much nervous energy. Too I was I was obviously we're all in our fight or flight response when we're playing, but I was too far. I was like using up my limited sources. You know, I was just um, it wasn't until a bit later I learned to like calm down a little bit. So how much did those formative years of professional sport teach you about yourself and, and your development as a person and what made you tick and what you wanted in life? So like me, like witness the early Super League. Yeah, well, just those years when you, that transition into becoming a professional sportsman, perhaps before you hit the big time, which I would say would be Leeds. Um, yeah. You know, those years, what did you find out about yourself? Lots, lots, mate. Uh, it was it was a great, it was a great um, time. Well, not at the time. Uh, so I went to Brisbane when I was 19. Brisbane Broncos played under the 20s there. And that, that was an amazing experience. I came back to witness um and played their first season back in Super League, I think it was 2011, something like this. And played playing every game at 20, playing well in in like the headlines and stuff. And then uh I signed for Huddersfield. Obviously, at the time, Huddersfield were top of the league, um, com competing uh, as well. They had that that few years of like winning the league leaders when I was there. But before that, yeah. And then I signed for them. Um, witness kind of got a bit funny around that. So I didn't play. I didn't really play again that, uh, the rest of that season uh, due to that. But so I went from I went from witness kind of like, play, like playing all the time and like being 20 and probably probably thinking I was better than I was and going to Huddersfield. And he were obviously a top a top four team, top top two team at the time. And yeah, having a bit of a reality check in terms of well, you're not, you're not, you're not as good as you thought you are, and you're not guaranteed to play. So the first, the first year and a half at Huddersfield was spent uh, in and out, in and out with the team. Like you said, playing, playing one week, getting really, getting, re getting really worked up when I wasn't playing, blaming other, blaming other people, and I still did that in me earlier in my first year at Leeds. So I didn't, I didn't really learn until I was like 25, 26. And uh, so yeah, a lot, a lot of years like being up, uh, like up in that emotional roller coaster. One week playing, it's the best thing ever. Then next week you dropped and it's the end of the world. Like that, that, that's what, that's how it was for me. That's how, that's how much it meant to me. Um, and then obviously then me, me last year and a half at Huddersfield, I was playing, I was playing regularly. Then I, I signed, I signed for Leeds. And uh, do you want me to carry on with this or? Yeah, no. I mean, it's it's fascinating listening to you kind of pick your way back through it and trying to work out what your what was fueling you and what what your ambitions were because I can almost feel you stepping into your career and then wanting it more and wanting it more and then I'm guessing you signed for Leeds because you wanted more you wanted to be that big guy at the big club right and you wanted to exactly. win stuff exactly big get that's exactly right big guy at the big club that's what I wanted to be I'm not I don't think I said this before I wanted to be that like that in that like headingly scene in Leeds going out like you know I like, think like Think of what girls think of me and stuff and stuff like this. That that ever being completely honest, that was part of my of my drive, which is isn't really isn't really ideal, um, and it's not a it's not a sustainable mo motivator. But yeah, it was to win trophy to win trophies was my main thing. I I say this a lot. I always remember Terry O'Connor when we were younger. Like he come to in coming to me college and he had his Super League ring on. He was just like tap tapping it at the table. Um, not not in like not showing off, but um, he was just like he just had it on him. I remember looking at it and just thinking, like, oh, that's that that's what I want. Like that's that's and that is all I wanted. Like so for me, like the ambition was like 
progression like winning those Huddersfield Leeds trophies that was and I didn't I, had, I hadn't thought or looked past that so getting to Leeds um, again I, I played I played a fair bit in, in my, first, my first season but I again when, when I when I got dropped I was I was I was pointing fingers pointing fingers at Mac pointing fingers at, at Davo um, yeah and like I, I never like, the, you know the old saying you point one finger you got three pointing back and I never and I never did that. I never, I never actually thought. Wait, is it actually something I'm doing wrong here? Um, so once, so the turnaround in my form and I, me, me career really come when I started to take accountability for my, for my own actions and not, I'm not blaming anyone else. Um, even if it might have been someone else, me wasting my energy. It's like that. I'm throwing out sayings today, but the saying like holding resentments, like you taking poison, hopes hoping someone else gets sick. So like. Uh, once, once I kind of like took that accountability, things started to turn around. I worked, I worked harder, and yeah, obviously then seventeen, 17 took care of itself, and then um, yeah, like that 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 was that. So, what was there a moment when was there a wake up call moment where you just thought, actually, I'm the problem here. I'm not going to win anything unless I sort myself out. Or did someone was there something someone said to you? Was there something that happened, or was yeah, that a, a gradual realization? Yeah, there was a few. I'm like, and Mac had a big part to play in it. This is, this is Brian, Mac being Brian McDermott, of course. Yeah, sorry, Brian. And, and, he, and he'd, he'd love to tell you that himself. Um, but, but he did. Like, we had, like, a, we had like, like a, a love-hate relationship at the start of Leeds. And, and then, obviously, it just developed into a good, into a good one. Like, obviously, I, went, I thought I went to Toronto with him, etc. Um, but, yeah, it just kind of, like I say, it's just when I, when it's just a, when I realised it was, there wasn't something that that they that they did that made me realize. I think it was just after the season when I went I went travel I went to like South America, um, and like I just had like a lot kind of a lot of realizations when I was like in the in the Amazon uh, and stuff. And it sounds pretty cliche, but it, it wasn't. I kind of I just had these like moments of like anxiety when I was when I, I was to be honest I was like really hungover in the jungle. And um, I had these like, like really real moments of clarity amongst this like crushing anxiety. Um, so so yeah, and like I come back and then either starts the, the one of the best moments was though start of seventeen, second game I started against Lee. I played I didn't play bad, but I didn't I didn't play great. And uh, Matt got me in his office in his blue chair that he loves talking about. Like he had big convos with, and I had I had some like fiery convos with him the year before in the. But it was just he didn't he didn't bollock me. We we looked at the video and just like look like there that that and everything he said. I was just like fuck yeah, like that's fucking fair play. I'm not I'm not doing what I should be doing. And I like, did the little things. He like maybe I like, just like it was just more like in defensively or whatever. I just like worked really hard at. And then from that kind of a like, sofa meeting, like yeah, that that season took care of itself. I just like I just kept working on those areas and yeah, it was. It was, it was great after that. So that was, that was one of like the definitive moments as well. So the 17 grand final was where you peaked and you got that, that grand final that you, uh, that you saw on, on, on Terry's finger when he gave that talk. You, you got one on your own after Leeds won it. Yeah. At Old Trafford. What, what do you remember about that moment and the, more, more the feelings around it that you'd achieved something that had become your burning desire? Yeah, at, at, the, at the time it was great. It's just like a surreal... A euphoric, euphoric feeling really. It's like that that thing you you put on the pinnacle of your like existence at the time. You get it, and yeah, it's, it's incredible. Obviously, I got bloody drug tested after it, and that kind of took took the thing off it 
which was obviously a pass was fine, but it's just like I couldn't go in and celebrate straight away because I wanted to go, right, right, quick, come on, go get it done so I could get back. But the kind of things were over. And um, yeah, it was just like a euphoric, surreal, surreal feeling. But like, I think I've mentioned this in, in previous stuff I've spoken about recently. Like it's kind of like there's like a sobering effect after, after that. And um, then like, if you're at a club like Leeds, it's, it's, it's either are you going to... So after you've sobered up after the thing, it's like right, start again. We go, we go again now. And uh, if you don't, if you don't have that, the ambition to do it again, it's um, it's quite, it's it, it, it's quite the task, like mentally. And for me, I just, I just did, I just didn't, I just didn't have it. I re- I realized that was that was like a layer of my purpose that I've peeled, and it's, it's just winning another trophy was it wasn't important to me. And obviously, I learned more lessons in terms of like looking for like fulfillment and validation outside of yourself, like in superficial things, not necessarily when I say superficial, I don't mean like a, a fancy car, I just mean, in, I mean, like external things. Um, like the, obviously things, external things are great, but they can't, I don't think they can bring like a lasting fulfillment and content because uh, everything outside of ourselves is temporal, subject to change. So um, we need to be, we need to have like a found, an inner foundation first and, that's kind of where I kind of like stepped into like my mindfulness journey as well and and, and, and things like this. So well, a, bit, a little bit earlier than that, but that kind of solidified it for me. But yeah. Did, did it surprise you um, feeling like that when you've set yourself such a, a glorious goal as, as, as winning, you know, getting to the top of your sport, which you did, getting to the top of the ladder, winning the Super League, getting that grand final ring, which you wanted to do, and then getting there and thinking, actually, I'd, don't really want this I don't really want this anymore did, did that did that surprise you that you felt that that shift happened yeah it, it didn't just surprise me I felt lost I was like I was completely lost and to me it wasn't like it wasn't like I don't want this anymore it was like I'm so I'm so glad I'd done it but like I don't I, could, I don't even know where the ring is now like I know right. I, I, I my mum's got it somewhere like that like um so like so, so what 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 I mean what I mean is, uh, yeah, I I just I just felt lost. I was like, wow, um, my sense of like, the sense of purpose that I once had was 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 like was completed. So it's like, what what what's next? And uh, not in terms of what's next. How do we scale this? Because um, it's not the case. Well, I didn't want to. Oh, I didn't want to outreach that. I just wanted to like. I needed to align with something else. Um, and that turned that turned out to be obviously in rugby terms, um, playing for experiences uh, in different countries. So obviously Toronto. Now, uh, now I'm in France. So I was like, right, I'm, I'm on, I was only 27, 26, 27 at the time. I'm only 29 now, but I'm like, I don't want just want to finish playing. Obviously, um, I want to. I've still got a lot to give to the game, but I can't. St- I can't keep playing for a team like Leeds or, you know, cause it, amazing club, amazing team, but it's just not for me. The, that like the, the pressure, the, the, not necessarily the pressure cause I don't mind pressure, but just the pressure to do that thing when I'm not aligned with doing that thing anymore, if that makes sense. So, so yeah, that, that's what, that, that's kind of what, that's kind of what it came, it, it, it came down and, to, and 2018 um, was just, that was showing in me performances and I, I had a few concussions and obviously Mac left and all that, so two two eighteen was just a shit fight for the whole of all of Leeds. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah, it certainly was. And we'll get on to Toronto in just a sec. I mean, 
just on this point because I think we're at the we're at the key point that I'm so interested in in terms of the internal transition that you have just so I think so so eloquently detailed. That was quite a a brave kind of not so much decision but a brave realization because I would suggest the easier path for you to take there would just to be to carry on even if you realize that flames kind of flickering out a little bit you're you're on a good salary play in a good job you could keep turning up you know not necessarily winning things you could have the lifestyle that you said you wanted when you first signed for Leeds and just you know be be seen when you're out oh there's that guy from Leeds you could have still carried on with that lifestyle and kind of for want of a better expression just got away with it uh, you made the decision that actually this isn't my focus my purpose I need something more I need more fulfillment so you change you made the decision to change right yeah and I and since then I don't I, I really don't mean to self-glorify myself but uh, it, it happened again with like after Toronto stuff I know you're going to get onto that in a sec yeah. after, that, after that happened uh, obviously I, I I could have stayed in Super League on like on on, on a good side again but I I'll come to France on compared to what I was on like on next to nothing and uh it's my choice. It's fine. But what I realised about myself, I can't. Re- I can't really fake it. I can't. I. Like, I know so many players, and and um, and I have a lot of respect for them. They they're doing it pure, uh, purely for the money, but to support the families, um, to support the wives, the kids, and it's not. It's noble. I respect that. Um, but fortunately, I'm not. I'm. I'm not. I don't have a, like. I've obviously I've got a son to support, but I don't have a full family to to look after. So and. Um, I mean, like I say, I can't fake it. If I'm not um, sing, single, I always like to say I'm, I'm a as Brad Singles. I'm, I'm a window. I'm a window to me emotions. Uh, <laughs> so like, and like, if if I feel a certain way, I can't. I can't. I don't really. I don't really fake it. I don't really hide it. And like, that's exactly shows on the pitch. If I if I'm not enjoying it, I'm not. I'm not. It's not aligned. Um, it's not serving me. It's not serving me. I I, I don't. I don't do well. So. That's like that's that's why I'm here in France right now. So just I, mean, I, I don't need to go into the details of Toronto. Uh, you know, anyone listening to this, if with a knowledge of rugby, will know what happened with Toronto and how kind of the dream. Well, COVID really ended it. The, the, the dream turned sour, etc. What I'll, I'll discuss the aftermath of that because I spoke to you a fair bit during that period. But one thing on the Toronto, your stay in Toronto, that fascinates me. Listening to to, to you talk is. You went with Brian McDermott, your old coach at Leeds, who is a very demanding coach, right? And listening to you talk, by the time you've gone to Toronto, you have discovered that there are other things in life making you tick. So, so how are you still managing to play for a coach who is so demanding when you've already kind of made the decision that this isn't this isn't the be all and end all for me? If that yeah, makes that sense. No, it does, and that makes and it's a good question. And I kind of I kind of let Mac know this before I signed the. So we, we went and we went and met at the Wheatwood, and we because obviously like we we had a good relationship by the time he left Leeds, but oh, like he had given me a hard time when I was at Leeds, but but he, he does it for the betterment of the player, and it worked with me, and like it's worked with a lot of the players, and, and that's one of the things I respect about him. But so he kind of said like, look, like um, it won't it won't be like Leeds, it'll be like he, obviously he just kind of lay off me a bit, you know, and I just said to him, look, I said. Where I'm at now, I said like I was I was I was looking at considering going to a reunion, uh, like a big change. I just wanted a big change. Obviously, Toronto was a big change. I said I said I'm str- I'm struggling with with the 
to get more. I said, I said, I said, I'm struggling to get motivated. I said, I'm struggling to get motivated for it. And like, I know you think you said something like you need, you need like pride in your performance again and stuff like this. And we had a good convo and I, I let him know, I, I was pretty open and let him know where I was at. And because it was that year, it wasn't the championship and we were winning every game convincingly. Um, that, 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 that was a bit of, that made it a bit easier for me as well, if that makes sense. Cause I knew, I knew we wasn't going to be like struggling to stay in Super League or like, or like getting pressure to like, to win, I know, well, we had pressure to get in Super League, but looking at the team, we was always going to do that, you know? Even though Fev gave us a good run in the final, um, we was always highly top odds to to make to make it back in Super League. Uh, so, so that period when it all ended at, at, at Toronto, and I think that's probably what most people, given what's happened over the last 12, 18 months and the financial anxieties and... The, Okay, bringing it back to transition, which so many people now are having to confront change in their life just because of the nature of what's happened. Your your attitude and your reaction to what happened when when Toronto ended and you had that period of not being paid, and a lot of players found that very difficult. And yours was your reaction was right, buy a camper van and disappear. <laughs> uh, talk me through that process of 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 what of what what happened. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I'll be honest, I. I'd kind of like that 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 feeling start when I was playing again. That feeling started to creep in again of like of of like oh like, is this what I want to be doing and stuff. So like by the time by the time the season got cancelled, I'll be honest, I was pretty happy. Um, and I was like, yeah, like obviously because with Toronto you got paid you got paid gross, so we you have to pay your tax like and like which I've just had to do. Um, which which wasn't ideal. I spent most of it on the camper van. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I used that money to get get the camper off. To, and I was just like, I was just like, right, well, we can't, we can't. My thing, oh, it's not my thing. It's a it's a stoic philosophy. It's like you can't ha- you, we can't handle what happens to us. But uh, I, what, all we can control is our response. So um, I, I was control, uh, I, and in that response, it gives you an element that could control. So. I, I I chose to to go to go to Cornwall in, in my van and make I make the best of the situation, and I, I worked I worked down there a bit as well to take care of bills when obviously because I wasn't getting paid. Um, I'd sold my house in Leeds the the year the year before, so I didn't have a mortgage. I was pretty I was pretty free, um, not free. I still had bills to pay, but not not like not as much as the guys with three kids. Yeah. So. For me, it was it, it it wasn't so bad, but like I say, I empathise for like your Chase Stanley, who had four kids, Ricky, you the same, and 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 stuff like that. I know, I know, I know they're all on, I know they're all on good salaries, and some people say yeah, but they're on this much, but it's all relative at the end of the day. Like you're not you're not getting paid, and then next thing you don't get paid for six seven months, it's gonna it's gonna affect you, isn't it? Um, yeah, because what what I remember about that period, and you know, we 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 talked a bit during that period, and we messaged quite a lot, and I remember when it was all kicking off, you know, you sent me a few messages saying. You know, can you can you help create a, you know a bit of? Can you make sure people in the media know what's going on at Toronto? Yeah, I, I remember yeah. those conversations we were having. What, what struck me is you were saying, "Look, I'm, I'll be all right, but can you make sure? Can you make sure my you know my mates are looked after because they're yeah. the ones who are struggling there?" And it was like I was I was struck by your attitude to that because you were like, "Well, I'll, I'll look after myself, but these guys need the money." I was like, "Well, surely you do as well," um, but your your thought was for for other people. At, at that time, as, as I recall it, rather than yourself. 
Yeah, yeah, because like, I, I probably part of me was a little bit guilty that I was down in in Cornwall, like surfing every day, doing a bit of work, just chilling out, knowing that like obviously my mates were struggling a bit. So that's kind of why why I was wanting to do that. But like, it's like you, you, you've 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 always got some you've always got some sort of choice, haven't you? And my 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 choice was to was was to do that, and, and I was just that's the world, and I was just very I was just very I was just very fluent with with the with the with the situation. I, I had. I got I had like a little bit of money coming from like like supplement sponsorship and like bits here and there and I was just being is it thrifty is that the word I don't know um, thrifty yeah yeah I don't know thrifty. <laughs> I, like oh, resourceful I was just, I was yeah, just being yeah. resourceful to get to get just to not go in some sort of like financial um, like the def- deficit so yeah, yeah that was kind of that that was me me thinking behind it as 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 money ever been. How big a consideration has it been in terms of your priorities, or have you always been along the lines of as long as as long as I can get by, that it, I won't ever let money affect my decision making in life? Like I won't lie, when I was in, when I was younger, in my early twenties, like, I had like, oh, I want to be on this, I want to go to this field, I want to be on this. Then when I'm when I'm twenty eight, I want to be on this. Like when I was younger, I remember like thinking having these like figures I wanted to be on in in, in my head. So like in me in me in me like late teens, early twenties, yeah, because I still I, I then I was still kind of that's I was still I was still focused on status and like what what if me having this because the only reason people like a lot of people want to have certain things is to be perceived a certain way so i i, I was still caught in that kind of um ideology uh, so but obviously that well, once that breaks down it's like like i i am i'm not but i'm not one of those you get a lot of people saying oh money is the root of all evil money is this and that but it's not money is just a it's a tool of exchange. People used to use sheep as, as for money, you know, like, uh, like all sorts of different materials. That's all, that's all it is. And I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not under the illusion that I'm thinking money, money provides security, but as, as long as you, as long as you have that security, everything, all you need to met and anything else above that is, is just luxury, you know? So as long as you're not, cause no one wants to be worrying about the finances, did he? Like it's not, it's not a nice place. It's not a nice place to be. So as long as you can be in a place where it's secure, then that for me, that's all. It can't, that's all that matters. Like anything else you put in yourself for wanting things, that's just self-suffering because you're you're trying to create a demand for certain things that you don't really need. So then you're creating a worry for the for this stuff. If that makes sense. So so if Leeds 2017 Grand Final was probably light bulb moment one, um, post COVID Toronto camper van was light bulb moment two, and was that when you really realized and gave yourself the opportunity to connect with your true purpose and what you wanted you know the surfing the hiking the nature um the pathway of finding yourself as a man that you've spoken about as well was this the moment that you were kind of able to focus on on all of that in in one go yeah yeah of course like i had like four months just like living living in the living amongst the elements in a van like like you you could like, I'm, all, like, I'm in a cliff in a field near, in Newquay and like you come out in the morning you just like you, the wind batters you in the face like in a, on a storm on a stormy night the rainy nights you the van shaking and you, you you're just you're just you're susceptible you're susceptible to the elements and it and it's great and like you kind of you kind of break away from that like constant shelter I know I've got I've still got a roof over my head in the van and it's, it, I'm not complaining it's great but you you kind of you kind of like become more in the flow of things like the the natural the natural Way, way, way of living, which we're, which we're really disconnect, disconnected to, and it, and it gave me time to process things and 
like with that, and then think of like start doing the workshops um, to break down certain stigmas, like to help people reconnect with nature, etc. Um, so yeah, that, that's and and like being in like talking about the money, being in the van and not getting paid by Toronto. In a way, it was, it was a good thing because it kind of it, it made me realize like I don't you don't necessarily need I don't need that much to get by. So I obviously I was on a good salary at Toronto, and then but when you're on it, the fear of losing it it's terrifying. But then when when it gets taken from you and you have to you have to be resourceful. It's like, well, actually, yeah, you, you don't need all that. So you can you can live in a lot less and, and be and be happy, you know. Mm. I can almost sense people, you know, watch, watching this interview and listening to this podcast, and especially given the you know the tough times so many people have had over the last last year or so, and thinking, I love that ice chair. I wish I could just do that. I and mean, my partner said it to me a lot. You know, when times have got tough as they have of last year, why don't we just go? You know, let's just forget about this and go away somewhere. Yet we don't do it. You know, we, we all listen to your, you and think, and I'm sure people are thinking, that sounds great. What, what, stops us, what stops us making that leap? We're talking about transition. What, what stops? What, what is it inside that stops, stops going and doing what you've done? You know, what, 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 why don't we do it? I mean, it comes down to, it comes down to fear, doesn't it? It comes down, it comes down to fear and it comes down to atta- uh, attachment. Um, and like there's there's all there's all different there's all different types of fear. Um, fear's kept us alive for a long time. It's not a bad thing. But I was listening to something lately. It was quite extreme, but I think I do think it's a good point. So they say, so like between uh, rational and irrational fear. So if you've got like a tarantula, say you're scared of a tarantula, a big tarantula on, on your arm. If you're scared of it, that's an, an irrational fear because it might. It's not really gonna probably not gonna hurt you, but if if you've got a black widow on you and you try stroking it, it's gonna kill you. So that 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 that's a rational fear. So it's like so it's learning learning the differences of rational rational fear. And it's like and then talk about attach attachment. There's nothing wrong with attachment. I'm, I'm attached to plenty of things, but it's 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 we're, we can be attached to our roles we play in society. So you might you might you might want to do you might want to to go and do this, but at the same time you like you like you like this sort of lifestyle and you like. You like doing this, so and it's all a story. It's all a story that we've created for ourselves in in our mind. We're all we're all, we're all living like a collective illusion, really, aren't we? That we that we perceive through our through our retinas. So, so it's like, um, can we can we loose can we loosen our, our grips on on these on these attachments we have? Because if it starts to if if it starts to cause you pain and fear, then you're probably too you're probably too attached. Like I said before, we try to we try to resist change, and the resistance the resistance causes pain. So instead of like being fluent with whatever happens and adapting and adjusting accordingly, we don't want it to. We we're stuck. But no, I don't want this to change. I want to keep this, and that stopping and written and and stuff that creates the fear and the pain. So yeah, I think it's about loosening your grips on on our like our perception and the things in our life. I'm conscious we're, we're kind of running short on time a little bit. So, but I'm conscious we've, we've talked for whatever we have now, 30, 40 minutes. And we haven't even, I haven't even asked you what you probably get asked about most is that, you know, you've, you're, you went vegetarian and then vegan and you competed as a top level rugby, rugby international without eating meat. Um, I know you've spoken about that in a lot of interviews, but people are still surprised when I tell them that, that you have done what you've done having made a life decision like that, which coming back to making big changes and transitioning into different areas of living, that, that was another example of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you just, 
it's, it's never it's never like easy way to say this because what like what 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 about what I'm about to say probably make you feel what probably make you feel uncomfortable. So like when when I first started to look into like the so I I, I basically didn't realize what didn't know what happened to like to the I knew animals got killed and I was just like oh that's just the way it is animals are there for us to for us to eat and the but I didn't know I didn't know the way they got killed and I also didn't know the impact it was having on the planet and the and the environment. And so it couldn't out So for me, for, so I thought I was a, like a, a kind of compassionate person. And then when I, re, when, I, when I realized what I was contributing to, it made me question that. I was like, well, I say this, but I'm contributing to this. So can that be true? So that, and that's the part that I feel like makes people comfortable because then that's going to make you question it or make other people question it. So, um, but that, that is, that is for me, that's what it was. I was like, well, I can't, I can't continue to support this if that, if, if I, if I am, if I am a man with morals and eth- and like inte- integrity. So, yeah. So I just, I, I took a long, a longer uh, role to, to cutting out meat. Um, it took me two years to go from eating meat to vegan, uh, stop eating meat, then chicken, then fish, vegetarian, then vegan in, in that order. And it just, it didn't, it just didn't affect my performance one bit. Um, and I think that, I think that's, that's largely due to the time I took. Like I think scientifically, it's, um, like I know a lot of gut microbiome experts. If they recommend, if you are going to go plant based, um, do it slowly. Do it slowly. Um, like research, make sure you're replacing what you were getting from meat with in in your diet, not with whatever you're putting in. So there's no shortfall. Because that's I, I've met so many people and they go they go ve- you know I went vegan but then I felt really sick and I had no energy and stuff but it's like well yeah you went from eating meat for 25 years to cutting everything out like of course there's going to be some sort of shortfall so yeah that, that's kind of how, that's kind of how it happened it's just like a slow transition and I'm also I'm interested too in the in the, the peer pressure element of that I've I've spoke I've done these podcasts before and reminisced about the macho dressing rooms and you know I, I can imagine well I know for a fact that you will have been the you know you, you'd have been the foot that you know you'd have been many jokes would have been aimed at you for the fact that you were doing all this and you know people would have teased you for it well I know they did and you didn't let that affect you at all yeah of course yeah like all the time like every uh, every day like um when we like at, for team lunches I'd, people throw like plants at me and go there you go well that's your dinner Etc. and stuff and it's, it's all like hide i'm not I, I never i just laugh like it never never want i, I could be i could be honest and say it never once affected me never once made me feel bad it made me feel any any sort of way and i felt a frustration i felt frustrated i never actually felt sad or angry i did definitely feel uh frustrated but more of the fact i was just like come on like i've been i've been doing this for quite a while now let's let's drop it in, in that in that sense because I'm like and, and to a point where I'm like like you know at the end of the day I'm doing this for like for like my for my son and like the and like I'm doing it to for like use to, to do my part for the planet like I'm not I'm not doing it for some selfish like self-righteous uh, reason and uh, I'm doing it to like to improve the impact <laughs> my impact on the planet so like and I, but you, then you get shit for it you get shit for trying to be a good guy you know but and, but that's that's rugby culture so uh, that's then that's a different story entirely <laughs> but, but at, at the same time i'm guessing it's not you're not you're not a vegan preacher you're not trying to affect anyone else i mean i'm coming at from this from the side of someone who's given up alcohol and um i would never try and lecture others about 
why they should or shouldn't be drinking. Um, no, no. I've made that decision for me. Um, and I kind of keep my views on that to myself. If, if someone wants them, I'll share them, of course. But I don't want to. I don't want to be that person, for want of a, a better expression. Of course, yeah. I, I'll be honest. I think I feel like for like for every for every vegan or plant based person, once they can't when they start going vegan, plant based, uh, once they start looking into all like the the research and like mainly like the the, the slaughterhouses and what's actually that you feel this like kind of like anger, like well, why are we and like you kind of want to tell people. And I probably did go through that phase right at the start, but then I realized it's just not helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, if people people are going to push back harder they'll probably eat more meat to spite you so um yeah like, i know single probably definitely did um <laughs> but so yeah no definitely like, definitely like you, you probably see from the instagram I'd, I'd, I'd probably talk about like sustainability but I'd, i never like i never call people out for eating meat um or anything i know it's not right now it's not i i'm in no position to judge anyone else i've i've loved this conversation i'm, I'm fascinated by your your life journey, your philosophy, your attitude to life. Um, if if we were if we were going to schedule another conversation like this in say five years time, what do you think your? Oh, that's just a bit like a job interview. Final question: What 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 do you think your life would would be looking like if we had this conversation again in five years? I think I'll have like flowers in my hair, like beads <laughs> on, like a white gown. Um, no, uh, I think I'll probably in five years. I reckon. Would you still be playing rugby like- for a start? You mean in terms of what my life is going to look like aesthetically? Well, yes. What? Yeah. What? What would you be doing with yourself? And okay. Yeah. So I reckon I'd probably finish been finished rugby like for a year or so. I reckon I'll be. I reckon I'll be running, probably, hopefully running like retreat retreats full time around the world. Like do kind of like doing the work I'm doing, trying to spread that message, trying to trying to make a difference uh, to men, the planet. Yeah, just just trying to be trying to be a goody two shoes, really. Uh, you're allowed to plug your uh, your retreats if you like before we go. I know you're working hard on them at the moment. Um, yeah, well, I've, I'm doing obviously. I'm, I've got I've got two. Well, one, one retreat this year at Cudbury in North Cornwall in July 17th, and I've got a workshop in Watergate Bay in Cornwall on August 29th. Um, they're the only two events I've got so far this year, but I'm looking forward to that. Like rewilding, uh, rewilding retreats. Uh, spend a lot of time in nature, breath work, surfing, hiking, etc. So yeah, should be good. It's been great talking to you. I appreciate your time. Uh, And uh, thank you uh, as well for listening. Take good care and we'll see you next time.